You're listening to the Legend Vest Podcast for Entrepreneurs. Whether you're just getting started or been in business for many years, we take a deep dive into what it takes to truly become successful. It's time to level up your business and your personal life. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jameson and Courtney Gavin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Legend Vest Podcast. I am your host, Courtney Gavin. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Today's topic is about money, mindset, and millennials, the three M's. But you guys, we have someone very, very special here on the podcast, and her name is Amanda Abeya, and she'll be joining us for today's episode. So before we get started, I want to share with you a quick little bio so you guys can get to know Amanda just a little bit more. Amanda is a Latina millennial money expert who has created an online community of over 50,000 plus members where millennials can learn how to make money online and actually enjoy their financial journeys. Amanda is a certified professional coach and the author of her Amazon best-selling book, Make Money Your Honey. Amanda has been featured in Forbes, The Huffington Post, Inc., and Business Insider. She's also been featured on notable podcasts like EO Fire with John Lee Dumas, Go Fire Nation, and Farnoosh Tarabi's So Money. Amanda also has a podcast of her own titled Make Money Your Honey. So without further ado, everyone, please welcome Amanda Abeya. Amanda, thank you so much and welcome. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. I've been looking forward to this all week. Oh my goodness, me too. And I knew this week was going to go by really, really fast. I had so much to do, but I did not want to delay it anymore. I'm like, you know what? I just got to squeeze it in and get it done. (laughs) Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure. And for those of you who may not know here on the podcast, uh, Amanda and I, we met on Instagram. I was so impressed with what she's doing, helping entrepreneurs build their business and make money doing it. And I'm hoping in the near future that I will also be a student of hers because you can never stop learning no matter how much you grow and how much success you attain. So kudos to you, Amanda. That is the damn truth. I'm speaking (laughs) as someone who just invested in another training yesterday. (laughs) It never stops. (laughs) Exactly. And and kudos to you. That's awesome. I mean, it's just so exciting to learn and to grow and push the envelope. And that's something I want our podcasters to know. Just never stop learning. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, the alternative is like, and I'm sure you would agree with this. Like you just get bored. You're like, okay, I know stuff now. What else can I go learn? Like, how can I go bigger? How can I push it? Like what about myself can I learn? <laughs> it's constant. And people who are entrepreneurs just kind of innately have that in them. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's just a part of you. And, and I, I've always loved learning too. I've always loved being a student because I'm a firm believer that when you learn, you can be your best self and you can best serve your customers too at the same time, the more you know. Yep. So that's awesome. We have so much in common. I love that. <laughs> it was great meeting you too in person at the 10X conference, which was awesome. Yeah, that was like insane. I had to be on a plane two days later and I was still on a high from that conference. I'm like, this is wild. I have been to lots of conferences over the years, you know, Tony Robbins, Financial Blogger Conference. I've done all of that. Never have I seen 35,000 people at one conference or Snoop Dogg coming out on stage. I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) 
It really was. It was insane. I mean, incredible. I would do it all over again. Are you planning on going to the one next year? So I'm actually not because the dates don't work out for me because I'm already starting to book speaking gigs and stuff like that. And I was like, well, Vegas, we're, we're going to have to wait. But I do have some of his other things like on my bucket list. I'm a huge, well, we're talking about Grant Cardone people. <laughs> um, and we're both big fans of his. So I've got some other things on, on my list because Grant Cardone is um, one of the mentors that when I'm like, I find myself slipping a little bit or maybe things aren't working out. I'm like, where's uncle G? <laughs> Cause he could get me out of this real quick. It's like him and a couple others. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Uncle G, that's right. Grant Cardone. And it's really good to have like those key people that you can go to for inspiration and for knowledge. Grant is one of them. And I really like Gary V too. And there's a, a whole bunch of others. Well, this is a great way to get started on today's topic about money, mindset, and millennials. But before we get down into the nitty gritty, I definitely want LegendVest to get to know you just a little bit more. So Amanda, where are you from originally? What do you like to do for fun? Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? I am from the 305 Miami, Florida, born and raised. Um, and what do I like to do for fun? You know, I was having this conversation with a friend last night because I realized that my idea of balance is like different than other people's idea of balance. I'm sure you've experienced this too, where people are like, slow down. Don't you watch TV? And I'm like, no, I'm bored. I want to use my mind. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to be entertained. I want to like be a better person. <laughs> um, but if I had to choose things that I do for fun, it's, it's definitely stuff like travel. You know, I was in Costa Rica earlier this year. Um, Ohio for work, New York City, we'll be in Chicago next month, Washington, D.C. the month after that, and now it's looking like I'll be in Columbia in October. So the things that I like to do are like, where, where is there an adventure? I like that, and, and I definitely can relate with you, especially when you're on the grind, you're hustling. It's like, no, no, I don't need to watch The Real Housewives. I need to keep working. I need to keep working on this proposal, blah, if blah, I, blah. You know what about The Real Housewives, though? If I feel like my brain really needs a break, right, I will watch it because I don't necessarily have to exert a lot of energy, you know? I'm just like, oh, pretty things, you know? <laughs> You know, um, but that's like the only one where and my brain needs to be kind of burned out in order for me to be like, okay, I need to veg for a minute, which is not yeah. often. <laughs> Absolutely. That's my guilty pleasure too, is Real Housewives. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I think as entrepreneurs, we actually need to enjoy a little bit more me time and downtime. Downtime can actually be really productive in your work life balance as well. So, yeah, I do do that. I mean, like, I meditate. I sleep a full eight hours every night. People are like, I had gotten a little bit of a Twitter debate last night because I had some time in the personal finance community. And they were like, what's your most controversial belief about money? Frugality is bullshit. That's what I said. <laughs> right? Because, and I said, those of us who already got over the whole overspending thing, and we're fine and we're not overspending. We waste so much freaking time looking at our expenses when we could have spent that time making more money. And for all of you in like the financial independence, retire early community who are like frugality, 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 did you fail to mention the part that between you and your partner, you've got multiple six figures coming in every year? Like this is a basic math problem. Go make more money. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I love that. And I love your attitude. This is going to be great, you guys. I cannot wait to get into this podcast a little bit more. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So what happened was I brought up actually something I learned from Uncle G. I went to an um, uh, event that he did, like a one-day event in Miami a year ago. And he said, and, and again, the con from context being like, I come from the traditional personal finance space, right? So it, I spent years writing articles about, you know, budgeting and student loans and how to get out of credit card debt, all of which is useful, right? It all has its value. But at some point, like there's another level to this that the personal finance community really doesn't talk about right and that is like how do i go make money and build wealth and that requires way more risk than what you've been taught to do to get out of trouble so what's interesting right is i said hey look i had a mentor and he broke down the numbers and he was the only person i'd heard say this right and i'd been looking for this freaking number for years because i was like well if i could if i were to comfortably say like how am I going to save half my income because if you look at wealthy people they're saving like 40 to 50 percent of their income and by saving it's like saving and investing and I've been looking for that number for years I couldn't figure it out like I was like well you know whatever I'm making is clearly not enough and I'm like being super frugal right now so I heard him say it's four hundred thousand dollars a year in order to do it comfortably Right, because that accounts for taxes, inflation, you know, regular expenses, emergencies. So I said it on Twitter last night, right? And half of the people got super triggered. They're like, that's impossible, blah, blah, blah. Most people can't do that. And then the other half were like, well, yeah, duh. It's a math problem. Exactly, exactly. And you know, that's that's about right. And it's funny because we actually posted a controversial episode very early in the podcast about how a million dollars is not enough to retire. <laughs> it is so not. And actually that it is not. And you know what? This morning on Twitter, I because all the finance people are on Twitter. They're not hanging out on the gram, right? <laughs> they're they're tweets, right? Right. So I went in this morning checking my tweets, right? And they posted that, some, one of them, I forgot who it was, posted an article, it, uh, a blog that literally just came out this week saying like a million dollars is not enough money to retire. And I was like, yeah. And Susie Orman said that on a podcast, um, a really popular finance in the personal finance space a few, maybe like a year ago or a few months ago. And she had said, listen, like I'm at an age where I got to take care of my mother. Like she says, you need at least five or five million easy like a million's not enough and people got super triggered by it granted her delivery was not the best <laughs> right and then she says that and then goes on a video telling you not to buy lattes and i'm like what is it susie orman which one is it <laughs> so there's like some confusion there um but yeah, she said that on a really popular personal finance podcast and granted her delivery was pretty poor, but I got what she was saying. I'm like, she's totally right. We need way more money than we think we do. Exactly. And you know what? Um, I believe Grant, and I know we're talking a lot about Grant today, but he even talked about it somewhere on his YouTube or his podcast. A million's not enough. You really should be aiming for at least like 10 million. Because when you retire, if you're not planning on lifting a finger or working and we're living longer, 
it's going to cost real money to live, to eat, to travel, to shop, you know, not to mention taxes, medicine. As we get older, we might need, you know, more doctor visits and cost of goods and services. There's no telling how much gas is going to be 20, 30 years from now. So you need more than that. <laughs> yeah. And another thing is they're just not honest about their expenses. So like, or, or they're just not really aware until they get squeezed and shit hits the fan, right? I needed to get two oral surgeries a couple months ago. This was not in the budget. It wasn't planned. You know, I was able to cash flow them, right? I wasn't able to save half my income that month, right? Which sucked, but I was able to cash flow two procedures that cost thousands of dollars, right? This could happen to anybody at any time. Anybody else, and it would have thrown them for a wrench. The same thing happened to me a few years ago when I wasn't making enough money and like not buying lattes didn't put enough money in a savings account for me to be able to pay for a surgery. So I learned my lesson. I was like, uh, life's expensive. Go learn how to make money. Like stop fighting it and just go figure out how to do it. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I think that that right there is the answer. You just have to figure it out, do it, put in the hard work now so that you don't have to be working that hard at 50, 60, 70. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people right now that cannot retire. They have to work the rest of their lives. And that's something that we as millennials do not want to be doing. <laughs> Unless I want to be doing it. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that was part of the pushback I got last night. Someone was like, oh, well, I don't want to do a side hustle outside of my job. I'm like, who said anything about side hustles? Go build an actual company, right? Oh, but I don't want to put in the work. I'm like, then don't complain. Exactly. They didn't want to put in the work. There you go. <laughs> you just solved your own problem. Exactly. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But don't put a rain on the parade of the people who are willing to go figure it out. And one of the things I'm coming up against now, and you, I would be interested to see if, if this has happened to you. I'm in the process of scaling my company, right? Because it became very apparent. I needed more hands and more help. And this was just going to keep getting bigger, right? And I'm in that process now. And one of the things that I'm coming up against, because like money mindset is constant emotions is like a constant thing you got to keep an eye on. One of the things I'm coming up against is this idea that people have of like making money is like such hard work. You're going to be working a hundred hours a week. And I'm like, actually it was easier for me to get to six figures than it was to make 40 grand. That was number one. Right. And I was like, whoa, again, basic math problem at the end of the day. But now what I'm coming up against, because I'm scaling like, yeah, OK, I'm in a period of push. Right. But that's just life. Right. And, and you're absolutely right. And you can you get more things done. It is easier to make more money when you scale and you're more efficient and you hire the right people on your team. It sounds counterintuitive, but you're able to get way more things done when you do it the right way. So I love that. Yeah, but people have this idea, like, because they've had to work so hard to make so little money, that if they're going to make a lot of money, then they basically need to sacrifice their whole lives. And look, I've got immigrant parents. I, I understand the logic. I understand the mentality. I get it. But one of the things I've had to rewire, especially now as I'm scaling, right, is this idea of hard work in order to make money. That actually goes into one of the questions I was going to ask you today is one of the common misconceptions of money. And you're absolutely right that we think that, oh, I have to put in X amount of hours in order to make more money. Not necessarily. You could just 
charge more for your services. Or you could change your business model. You know, there's two people this week I was coaching. They were, one was a virtual assistant and one was a copywriter. And I'm like, I need to get you on the phone, right? Because I was chatting with them on LinkedIn and, you know, they let it be known that they were charging hourly for their services. They were just starting out and I made the same mistake, right? When I was a, a freelance writer um, and just getting started. So I understand that I know where it comes from. And I'm like, listen, if I'm going to do one thing on this call, it's going to be to get you to stop charging hourly. And they're like, what? And I'm like, that's how you become someone's accidental employee. You need to start creating packages that cost more money, right? Because your time is limited. Your knowledge is limited. It's like a whole different way of thinking. And then when you start thinking in that way and you start creating your offerings and your business from that place, right? Which is a mental thing, but again, also a math problem at the end of the day, right? The kinds of people that you attract into your your business are totally different. Like, and I'm sure you've had this experience. Have you ever noticed that the people who paid you the least amount of money were the biggest pains in the ass? Oh, always. Every single time. Meanwhile, you can get 25,000 from someone else and they're a dream. They're an A plus client. Yep. It's incredible. And it's funny because you're right. Those become, I like to call them like the problem child or, you know, the ones that cause the most trouble and the most headache. And sometimes you have to fire your customer or fire your client. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> you have the um, the privilege of firing your customers as you start to grow. And I know um, something that a lot of entrepreneurs are doing as they start out, and that's something we did too, is you take anything that you can get, right? <laughs> yeah, and again, I understand it. You know, there's that, that period of push. But what I'm realizing, especially because I'm working with more beginning entrepreneurs, right? As they come into my incubator, they're operating in their businesses as if the same way that they were operating at their jobs, right? And that ends up screwing you over every single time. Mm, That's very interesting. Very interesting. So what do you, what is it that you think that they need to be doing instead? Well, it's really interesting how when, and again, I'm sure you went through this, like when you start building a business and when you start going into entrepreneurship and you start learning how to actually make money and you start learning about the amount of money that's available out there in the world, um, you have to unlearn a lot of things. And I oftentimes, you know, I speak around the country. Um, Part of what I do in my company, other than working with entrepreneurs and, and training them, I also do a lot of, you know, keynoting and brand ambassador work for companies like TransUnion, Capital One, um, Florida Prepaid College, since we're both Florida girls. And I get to travel around the country. And I was keynoting at a Fortune 500 company a few months ago, literally like three days after GrowthCon. (laughs) This is what I was doing. I was in Ohio keynoting, (laughs) right? Um, And I asked in the room, I was in an auditorium, right? And I asked in a room and I was like, how many of you had a positive conversation about money in the home while you were growing up? Would you like to guess how many people raised their hand in a whole auditorium? Two people. One. Wow. One. And she's the one who had the most healthy relationship with money out of anybody there. But that's what I call the financial lottery. Most people don't have that. Most people, and, and, you know, I'm doing a lot lot of David Nagel stuff right now, which is really reinforcing a lot of things I've already seen in the last 10 years of doing this work. Um, But a lot of of what we picked up about money 
didn't even necessarily need to be told to us. It was either by observation or um, maybe you just saw certain things in the home and then you just kind of picked it up yourself probably by the age of seven. You didn't even know you were picking this stuff up, right? So a lot of what you end up going through as you start healing your mindset around money and your mindset around anything really, right, is an unlearning of all the garbage we've picked up along the way. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. It's, it's absolutely amazing how the majority of us just did not grow up with a positive experience around money. And I remember attending a seminar by, are you familiar with T. Harv Ecker? Yes, I know who that is. Yes. In your mind? Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing book, amazing seminar as well. I went to one years ago in Orlando and they really dug deep into our childhood blueprint. And we talked about some of the common uh, phrases that our parents would say, like money doesn't grow on trees. And, you know, or my mom's favorite thing was, I don't have physical cash. I never have cash on me. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, one with my parents, I mean, I have immigrant parents. They fled the Cuban Revolution as children, both of them. My grandparents were like, we're not raising people. We're not raising children in this work, we're, we're out of here. And they've got some crazy stories about how they got, every Cuban has a crazy story. Um, and you live in South Florida, so I'm sure you've heard a lot of them. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. Um, but imagine like my parents, everything was fine. Everything was Gucci. They were children. My mother remembers the day that the Cuban officials came to her house and said all the farmland that your grandfather amassed when he got here from Spain, it no longer belongs to you. It now belongs to the government. Wow. That's insane. That's what they did during the Cuban Revolution. And they took people's land from them. And that's why there's a bunch of lawsuits going on right now as things start opening up. Um, they're starting to get sued because that's what they did. They just ripped people's assets from them and said, oh, this is for the common good of the government or whatever bullshit they were feeding people, right, in order to get a communist dictator in there, right? My mother still remembers that. My mother remembers my grandfather being put in prison for three days, right, because there was a rumor going around town that he had a pig and that he was raising it as livestock and that he was going to sell bacon. They put him in prison, right? Wow. That's illegal. So I grew up in, and you know, my parents come here, they start all over, they're in poverty. My mom lived in the projects in New Jersey. My dad lived in New York back when New York was bad. I mean, my dad says stories of like the amount of violence he saw in New York City in the 60s was crazy, right? Um, so there's like this constant anxiety when you've had to flee something like that. And I picked up some of that anxiety, but I didn't realize that I'd picked it up until I was like 25 or 26. Wow. It's an incredible story. And it's so, so unfortunate. And I hate hearing things like that. It's, I can only imagine, you know, you've built something great for your family only for the government to come in and just take it from you. I mean, yeah. that is just, that is just so sad. And I'm so sorry to hear that but I know your family has to be some of the strongest people ever. And, oh, yeah. And I'm sure totally. that has also spilled over into you to be so strong and courageous and to just be able to get the things you want. If you can dream it, you can do it kind of an yeah. attitude. And not only that, but not a day has gone by when neither my brother nor I have been, like, they've been telling us every day of our lives. Our grandparents did it. Our parents still do it to this day. They're like, listen, things in the United States are not perfect. You don't even get health care for free, so expect to need a lot of money, right? 
However, you have more opportunity here than any of your relatives in Cuba. And I've been talking about this more. There is such a thing as American privilege, right? And it's the idea that because you have no idea how devastating things are in other parts of the world, you don't realize the amount of opportunity you have in front of you. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, we really do as Americans have a huge advantage. And trust me, things are not perfect over here. There's nothing perfect anywhere. But we have a pretty good shot at being whoever we want to be and doing whatever we want to do. So I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, is it, and people bring this up to me all the time. They'll shoot statistics at me. I'm like, listen, I spent years blaming the government, blaming Wall Street for why I was broke, right? Because I graduated during the recession. Is is it messed up? Yes. Is the system pretty much rigged in their favor right now? Yeah. Is it fair? Absolutely not. But if I'm ever going to get out of the situation I'm in, I need to stop bitching and I need to start doing something. I see. This is why I wanted to have you on the podcast because I knew that there was going to be a lot of synergy on this. I totally agree, Amanda. Oh my goodness. I, I posted recently because you, you know that cancel my debt um, yes, I posted this. yes, I posted this on my Instagram stories because I'm like, look, I got no dog in this fight. Like I went to like a hardcore Catholic school. I had, I didn't even want to be at and just sucked it up for four years. So I wouldn't have debt. <laughs> right. So, cause even at 18, I was like, this seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> Um, you know, so thank God I had that kind of, out of foresight at that age. Right. Cause a lot of people, have gotten into trouble for doing the right thing, right? It, 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 so I understand, like you're told to go to school, the cost has gone up, the you know jobs that are available aren't paying enough money. Like, it's all a math problem, right? As we've been saying this whole time. But the thing is like, and it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be fixed. Of course it should be fixed. Like in the long term, this isn't even good for the economy long term. Right. And you know this because you run businesses. You need to make decisions thinking with the long view in mind. And yeah, no, our government hasn't been doing that <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, they've just been, you know, putting out fires, kind of um, fires that they helped create. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. You know, <laughs> but at the same time, like, dude, there's always going to be something. There's always going to be some sort of a challenge. Like we live in an imperfect world. It just, it is what it is. And people get very upset when I say things like that. And I'm like, it's not that you don't care. And it's not that you shouldn't speak out against injustice right? It's just that if you ever expect to fix the injustice, it ain't coming from the top down, boo. It That's never right. has. That's right. And you know what, while we're on the topic of mindset, I, you know, I, I think unfortunately, and I hate to use this word, but I think a lot of people play the victim. And oh, they totally do. I get know. DMs and tweets about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the truth of the matter is we have to take responsibility. And that's something I was saying about the cancel my debt. Like, look, I got, I, I got hooked too. I, I was hoodwinked, if you will. <laughs> I knew nothing about student loans. Meanwhile, somehow I qualified for them. But, but you know what? The only way for me to overcome this is I just have to find a way to pay for them. So it sucks. It's not a great system. The whole thing is flawed. But instead of just blaming the government, we just need to take responsibility and just, and just pay them off and not expect somebody to just 
cancel it. I, I let me tell you, I just would not depend on the government if I were you. And you know I, what? Having Cuban immigrant parents, I think in a way, and it was so interesting. I was telling my best friend about the little Twitter debate I got in last night, right? And she's like, don't people realize that like the government's not their friend, corporations are not like nobody's their friend. Don't people realize like the world, we like, we don't live in a perfect world. Don't they understand? And the thing is that she's not an entrepreneur. She works for a major university, but she's always hustling her way into a race. <laughs> right. Awesome. And, um, and you know, because of, she has a medical condition. So because of benefits and things like that, she needs to stay there. Although I tell her all the time, like whenever you want to come be a project manager for me, like, <laughs> the doors open because right? she's so good right but she was raised with that same mentality because her parents also fled the cuban revolution and it's this idea of like i don't expect social security to be there i don't expect anything to be there i don't expect anybody to give me exactly and that's something they told us uh right around the recession basically social security is not going to be around for us Pensions are pretty much gone. I mean, we're already being prepped to know, okay, this retirement thing is completely on us. <laughs> Don't depend on anything or anyone. We need to build something for ourselves right now. <laughs> yeah, and also the idea of retirement is kind of crazy when you think about it because um, like, it's a newer concept. Like, People used to work until they died, you know? But I mean, it, it was only when the Industrial Revolution came in that Suddenly people are like, okay, you just like, after spending 30 years of your life being productive every day, now you just stop. <laughs> like, that just doesn't even make any natural sense <laughs> when you think about it. Like just this abrupt halt, you know? Um, and on top of that, you know, you know, I, I see my parents and what they've gone through with a retirement. You guys think retirement is a thing? Like my mother retired and two months later, we found out my grandmother had Alzheimer's. Right. So she went from retire from working to two months of retirement to caregiving. Wow. You know, and that's that is the reality of life. So even this idea of like, oh, everything's gonna be good when I stop working when I'm 65, like it's just crazy. Right. That's not I how agree. life works. <laughs> Things are gonna come up outside of our control, right? And that's why it's important to have that nest egg and to have money on the side working for you. So that when something does come up, you're okay and it won't put you totally out and you don't have to start completely over because that's the fact of the matter. Emergencies and life events are going to happen. We don't know when, but it will. And that's what so. Susie Orman was trying to say on that podcast. But like people, again, the delivery was not that great. So people like dragged her to hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I got to check I that got one out. Point. Yeah, I, I got the point, though. I understood what she was trying to say. Um, you know, and, and it's this idea of like, and, and I've been coming up against this a lot where people are like, don't you want more balance in your life? And I'm like, I think your idea of balance and mine are a little different. Your idea of balance is not doing a damn thing on the weekends and then complaining about the job you need to be at Monday morning. I like what I do. Exactly. When you love what you do, Mondays are great. <laughs> You're like, what's a Monday? Like, what? It's just another day that ends in why? Like, <laughs> you know, and then you take breaks when you take breaks and you realize it's, it's more cyclical, right? There's a time to push and there's a time to chill. You know, it's not so like rigid in the idea of balance. And I've noticed that the only people who yell at me about balance are people who hate their jobs. Like no entrepreneur is yelling at me about balance. <laughs> 